Cloud and Clear, the podcast by SADA for innovative business leaders and technology enthusiasts, where we explore how Google Cloud is transforming the industry and what that means to you. Now, here's your host, Tony Safoyan. So on Cloud and Clear today, I have a very, very special guest, a good friend of mine, really one of the original Google Enterprise folks uh, back before it was called Google Cloud. Welcome to the stage, Jeff Brown. Uh, the OG, it sounded like. Thanks, Tony. Yes, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, by the way. There's not that many of us left, you know, from nine years ago, eight years ago. That's right. Some <laughs> retired, some hopping, skipping around a little bit, but... Yes, it's been a, a journey. It's been a fun journey. So many new people, which is good, because I think we needed the headcount, we needed the coverage, and we'll get into that a little bit. But before we talk about now, I always like to visit the past. I don't know, some people think I talk about the past too much, but as a philosophy major, I like history. I think that kind of has a huge role in defining the present. So let's talk about the man, Mr. Jeff Brown, how'd you, how'd you even get into technology if you trace back? Anytime you want to talk about yourself, it's got to be interesting, right? So I, I think when you look at how I got here, it is a little bit of a unique story. So I'm a, I'll just touch on it here. And I think maybe there, I can try and provide, you know, you and, you know, some listeners here, like uh, a couple of points. So uh, I went to San Diego State, go Aztecs. So I'm a, I'm a California boy, uh, native. And so, you know, my first job and kind of how I got into IT, I was a biology major. So, you know, hey, first job out of college, find the you know, first best opportunity. It was working for a, a big company called Airborne Express, which is now DHL. And I was doing a, like a custom brokerage, so shipping like pallets overseas, those type of things. Right. So absolutely nothing to do with IT. Uh, but I uh, got promoted. And so I moved to Dallas. So I was working for that company in Dallas for a couple of years. And while I was there, I met uh a good friend of mine, his name's Jeremy. And Jeremy was working for a computer associates, right? IT company. Mm -hmm. So we became good friends. He comes back here in a second. So I, I, I kind of get, you know, tired with that job. I'm like, you know what? I was a biology major. Let me go back into that. I've always been in sales. I'm going to go do, you know, uh, surgical sales. So I work for a, a urology company, which is doing like endoscopy cameras, you know, pathology tested for bladder cancer, right? Urology, again, non-IT related. Well, I was back in LA and at that time, I'm, you know, just talking with Jeremy. He's like, listen, you know, you've, you got, you're going to love Denver, right? You know, why don't you come out to Denver and visit? You know, if you like it, I'll bring you on board. I'll hire you. You're going to work for computer associates. Jeremy, I don't know anything about IT, right? A, a medical background is like, you can learn it, come visit. So I, I visit Denver. This is going on 20 years ago. I can't make this up. I landed at the airport. There's like sunbursts coming in. You know what I mean? It was just this amazing yeah, moment. Like, majestic. I think I'm supposed to be here. Have a yeah. great weekend with him. Long story short, he hires me. I moved to Denver two months later. That was my first like, okay, I'm going to get into IT. So I ramp up as fast as possible. Uh, so the first point there is like you're networking, right? You know, just the mm -hmm. people you know, leverage friends, relatives, people in the industry that can help you, you know, try and get where you want to go. I'm, the uh, the thing I I did then is I started calling on K through 12s, so no one was really talking to K through 12s, and that's actually how I got into public sector. So I noticed like mm. it was just this untapped market. So I started selling computer associates, and I kind of became what was like the first public sector type of of rep, just covering Colorado. Uh, that transitioned then to a company that called VMware. It was an acquisition actually called ConfigureSoft that VMware purchased. Mm. Um, 
And then I worked for Symantec uh, Veritas um, for about four years. Again, so from that CA point into VMware and into Symantec Veritas, I was only public sector. So you got to be, it's got to be about wow. 18 years now of being in this niche. And so been with Google now uh, eight and a half years. And so uh, that quick story then goes to, you know, the networking is, you know, the, the, the director of, of Google, uh, you know, apps for work uh, had made a couple calls and he was asking for, hey, do you know a public sector rep? And it was actually funny enough, Tony, asking in a different territory. And this mm -hmm. is when you can say, I'll say I was blessed. You could say lucky. But these two individuals said, hey, I don't know anybody. It was actually in the Pacific Northwest. I don't know anybody up there, but I do know somebody in Denver. You know, you should talk. And he heard it from two different people over the course of like oh, two days. They triangulated on Jeff Brown. Hey, clouds opened up again, right? The sudden burst came through. Yeah. It took me six months to get into this place because it's that kind of company, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that was eight and a half years ago. So, yeah, that's how I, that's how I got into IT. Biology. I was a bio major. I dropped it like year three, but yeah, I also didn't end up doing anything in biology per se, but it forced me to take a lot of math and stuff, which I guess there's some, some use for that. But um, public sector is its own completely different environment. And it's so funny, your own story about how you got into public sector is actually how SADA got into public sector. The first work we ever did with Google beyond a little bit of early work in search in 2006 was you know, the, the higher ed market was adopting G Suite in waves back in 2007, eight and nine. And then after that, we also ended up doing a bunch of K through 12, including Chicago Public Schools, which is the biggest district that we did. And we did some work at LA Unified as well. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. That was also our path to, and probably City of LA was our first big uh, state and local customer, but it, it was from the education rep. Yeah, and that it is. It starts, you know. And by the way, uh, Ted Ross just gave a, a wonderful shout out to to uh, adopting uh, his investment. I think as he said it, uh, this is public, so it was on State Scoop here. I think just two days ago. An interesting stat, Tony, just to jump in, is he said they went from like two hundred Google Meet this video conferencing right to like two thousand per day because of the remote work. And his wonderful. point with hey, yeah. because of the investments they made, they were able to you know, obviously uh, scale that fast. So uh, it's funny you should mention it. Yeah, look, it's um, since you open up this topic, I think it's it's very important. It's part of why I want to talk to you right now is because of uh, what we've seen in the last three to four weeks around um, how a couple things. First of all, the broad base and scaled and rapid adoption of some of these cloud technologies that frankly we've been selling for, you know, 14 years, um, but also like the huge split between organizations that had made those investments and are ready, were ready, relatively ready, and those, the 90% really, I would say, who, who hadn't, and it was a completely different experience for those two types of organizations. And of course, LA, been on G Speed for 10 years, was way more prepared than I think the typical city, state, county that hadn't made those investments. hundred percent agree. Um, there was a, speaking of another webinar, we did a, we did a webinar two weeks ago and it was about like just remote working and all this. So to your point, 
we put together a Google form and we just surveyed, you know, the 60 people that were on and just quickly, they just surveyed and, you know, three of the four of the questions, here's the first one that we asked, are you able to do your job remote? Right? Like just give me a percentage mm -hmm. yes, no. The second question, which was uh, interesting, it was, you know, are you able to get to a hundred percent of your, your work? Like, you know, yes, you can do your job. Yes, no. But then the second question is, are you able to get to, you know, a hundred percent, 80 percent, 70 percent? Like, can you do what is the full breadth of your job? AKA, can you get to all those systems, backend processes and things? And so you had a high percentage of yes and a mm -hmm. very, very low percentage of, can I get a hundred percent done? Which kind of plays to your point, right? If you have yeah. all these on-premise solutions, I'm now remote. How do I get to those? And that obviously is, you know, a, a huge reason why could, should, would you adopt cloud technologies in general uh, for that, for that reason alone. Um, another one that I thought was funny, sorry, I just, it, one of the questions was, if you could change the ergonomics and things about your office setting, you know, is it a quiet mm -hmm. space? So, you know, people are literally, I've seen people in laundry rooms. I'm currently in the basement, right? And the number one thing was ergonomic chairs. And I thought that was because you would think about you're sitting all day. All day, yeah. So I thought that that surprised me. I thought it was going to be a quiet space or stuff. It's like, no, people literally just want to sit comfortably or stand, right? They just didn't have the ergonomics to to make it work. So, look, my own my own house has a space plan that says a certain room should be the office. But guess what? That room turned into as soon as we moved in. That's the playroom. I never got my office. <laughs> like none of us planned for this to be a long-term uh, situation. So I'm in a random room in my house for that same reason. But look, it, but it makes all the difference in the world to have whether you have those tools and you don't have those tools. And look, uh, you know, the commercial space is experiencing the, the same kind of awakening and realization that digital transformation, work transformation, it's not longer, it's not, it's not like a nice to have, I'll get to it thing anymore. It is like the preeminent moment where um, again, the delta between your being enabled and not is so huge that people can't ignore it. And um, I know it's a very tough time right now. And Google Cloud is doing tons, I think, to help organizations, especially public sector, I think, accelerate getting used to this new normal. Um, you know, Google Meet with all the enterprise features now free until the end of September for Anybody who wants it, which is just phenomenal, uh, just what a, what a great way to give um, and ensure like that the economy can move forward, people can get their government services and their constituents can be served. It's no longer a financial or technical barrier for people in any size organization to be able to work from home. But it's unfortunate that it takes a crisis to create this level of awareness, but it is somewhat of a watershed moment for G Suite. Agreed. It, it, you know, there's, that was well said, and, and it is unfortunate that it happens. There is another example that a state that had adopted G Suite and one of the C-levels just wasn't quite there yet. And so there was a, um, a really bad flood that happened. And during mm -hmm. the course of those two to three days, the C-level got to experience, you know, what it was like to quickly spin up sites, maps, forms. Crisis management. Yeah. Uh, this individual quickly changed their perception because they saw just, 
you know, in essence, how not easy it is, but how, you know, uniformly you could get all these counties to contribute and put this in federal agencies, the content, Esri, imagery, all these things just combined to get people the information, the shelters, all those different things they wanted. I'm not joking, literally within 24 hours. And so to your point, you take this and there's that, you know, psychological saying that, you know, when you take something away from somebody, that's much more mm-hmm. of a fear. That's what drives behavior. It's not like gaining something. It's when you take something away that really, and this is what's happening is people are such broad, I mean, people, unemployment insurance systems are taking these huge hits, right? People are not prepared necessarily to do easy meetings, remote conferencing, um, huge things happening with legislation. So, you know, voting and, and, you know, how, how literally government is getting done. Cause they used to sit in a conference room together. Right. And then be able to now post that publicly because you have to have that transparency. Right. All these dynamics and things are happening. And you do see certain states, cities and counties that were maybe a little bit more prepared, not trying to be mean to the ones that are necessarily not, but it is literally just happened overnight. And you're now seeing some of those ones that are not prepared trying to leverage companies like Google and others to say, can you please help? So yes, just to reiterate, Google's not profiteering. We're just trying to look at how can we make public continue to run, whether that's G Suite, video conferencing. Exactly. Systems and chatbots to help reduce phone calls and and those things. So um, absolutely, yeah. This is about helping uh, government continue to function. It's about making sure that our economy in the private sector, which of course this offer is available to any cor- you know any corporation in the private sector as well, is like that the economy keeps going, that people retain their jobs, that government functions. I, I love that. Again, times like this just makes me so grateful, so proud to be aligned with Google at a time like this, right? Not only because we're passionate about the technology, but like the culture top down, really from Alphabet, from Sundar on down, of course, TK and Rob, Kirsten, Mike Daniels, like everybody is so uh, serve, not sell. It just, it makes me super proud. But, but it, again, also highlights the technology. And, and also, you know, when there's a crisis and people don't have the tools, sometimes they gravitate towards whatever tool seems to be available that they can get that's consumer-ish in nature. Um, and people have done that in the past. It's sort of like that a gray ops IT, well, you're not going to give me these tools. I'm just going to get, you know, consumer Gmail or Dropbox with my consumer email and start sharing public sector information, proprietary information, like it creates those things. And I think generally IT organizations have been pretty got, got savvy about shutting those things down, but now we're in a crisis. So there's this urgency people from home they're using whatever tools. And as it turns out, <laughs> Not all tools are the same. That security matters, that scalability matters, and the cloud matters, like if it's done right. And some, some, some uh, platforms are just not, and now it highlights it, right? Because there's an immense amount of demand, way more users than in the past. And, and those vulnerabilities that if they exist are simply brought to the surface and highlighted. So. Um, that, that was an interesting thing to witness. You know what, touching on something you said earlier, and it, it kind of rolls into the, you know, federal, state, local, was the education. And so if you look at mm-hmm. what happened with education, you know, 2008, 2009, everybody knows what happened. 
So, you know, usually states are two years behind, right? So they, their budget. Mm -hmm. So if something hits today, it's really doesn't impact until like a year later or two years later. So my point of that is you see all these K through 12s, not all, but massive amounts. So there's 80 million, 80 million, right? G suite active for education monthly. One more time, 80 million. And all that would happen because these K through 12s are trying to save money. So now they're adopting mm -hmm. G suite. And so now you look at things like if you have kids, right? And those listening, think of Google Classroom. Think of the infrastructure that was already there. For sure. Kids are taking classes. You see a lot of teachers, by the way, being very innovative. So you have the districts in place, mm -hmm. but you'll see different teachers setting up classroom, Google Classroom type of thing. So my point would be because of a crisis financially, you know, 10 years ago, you have this massive adoption. And I do see where you're going is, here we are yet again, obviously a different type of crisis. And so we cannot be caught sitting on our hands again, right? For governments like this, whether it's a storm, whether it's something like this, something will eventually happen. And so let's just yeah. be prepared. I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but... Yeah, and not all tools are created equal. To that point, right. <laughs> to that. Like, it's not like, yeah, let's just use whatever is free off the shelf. It's so easy to install. It doesn't require any authentication. Like... One click install, like maybe that's too easy. <laughs> right. Is it encrypted? Look, I think not to be like, I, 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 I think withhold the right to, uh, I like to be completely transparent and straightforward. And sometimes that also means uh, admitting, I think, where, where I witnessed some of the gaps um, in, our, in our journey and why other platforms became a verb, right? Because... We had so many customers, even education customers who own G Suite, but were adopting different things for video technology. And it would be it would be so weird because they're like, you own this, but you're paying for something else. Like, why? And so we'd witnessed that for a couple of years, certainly in the commercial space. Like, well, you own G Suite, you own this meeting technology, but you're also paying for some other thing. It was so weird to me. But I, I kind of understood why ease of use, this and that, some other things. Um, but I think I think there was a, there was an element of like Google wasn't even ready per se. Like there was an element of like, whoa, we've been sort of making good progress in this space, but taking our time because a lot of GCP investment and that's the big total addressable market, and we have to win there. And then all of a sudden, I was like, whoa, we're having 25x increase here, but other technologies are seeing maybe more and they're becoming the verb and the vernacular, the same way that Google means search, some other thing means work from home, right? Um, how did that happen? And then how do we uh, innovate on the platform so that there's just no question what the best and easiest and most secure platform is? And then how do we, of course, with this offer, um, out right now till September, just make it a no brainer for, for our customers. And, and there was a couple of weeks where frankly, like I was somewhat frustrated of why is something else running away with the narrative, but the way that Google did it and the reason they did it, I think is it needed to be done right. There's no shortcuts to these things, security and uptime and uh, reliability matter. And so I think as Google is pivoting, by the way, I love how all of a sudden G Suite is elevated. It's like the biggest enabler of the current platform of all the portfolio. It's not maps. It's not 
GCP right now is like our time with G Suite because I've been, you know, G Suite is what started our, our Google relationship. But um, the way that n nobody can really reach the scale and um, that Google can when the battleship turns around. So I'm excited to just see this from the sidelines and actively actually bring it to market with Google as well. Yeah, I'm so. I'm with you, just to repeat it. Yes, you're right. G Suite is now like top priority for obvious reasons. So it's so nice to yeah. see that. Not that it was never not a priority, but let's just say maybe it wasn't like number one and it definitely yeah. along with ECP and those components. Um, and so, you know, obviously working for Google, like this is my comment here, not, not uh, you know, a, a Google comment, so to speak, if that made any sense. But I would say this part of it, and I'm a salesperson, right? Is that we're just not very good at sales. And a lot like we we do great on marketing with search and different things, but our customers mm -hmm. don't know that we have Microsoft compatibility within G Suite, right? They don't know like what is Google Meet in general. I've been on calls and they're like, we have access to that. And it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. how, how oh, and, and and you can use Meet with Outlook if you wanted to. That's right. Right? You can meet with Outlook and through Office 365 yeah. or Outlook. And again, that's Perception, but also I think a lot of it is just the way that Google's, you know, markets and or sales or what I'm trying to get is in a lot of cases is just not potentially doing a good enough job with that piece. And and yes, you're right. There are components of Google Meet where, you know, people want the Brady Bunch deal. That has to be <laughs> top priority. And it's funny how those things are like, oh, let's make that a priority. And all of a sudden that jumps up and, and we're actively working on it because that's what, you know, our, our users want and that's what's important to them. So, you know. Yeah, it's funny. There's a there's a Chrome plugin that we're using for the same thing. And like when you haven't seen people for weeks to be able to see your whole team on one screen and all their little, you know, nuance and, and, and their faces and whatever, like, yeah, I kind of it creates a, a degree of intimacy that one person at a time on a screen just doesn't create. So, it, but again, these things were never a priority until we all had to work from home. And now it's like the most important thing. And in the Brady Bunch tile, apparently everybody wants to see themselves. So we're all vain. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't get a haircut right now. I seriously, that's the things we're working with, right? Terrible things that are happening, but you're right. In, in general, the service industry and, and those things, it's just what a, what a interesting time, right? Totally. My two boys were taking a, a, a virtual workout class, you know, because one of the, the guys here locally is like, Hey, you know, I think he's mid twenties and he's trying to make a little bit yeah. of money. Hey, you mm -hmm. guys want to do it? So, I mean, people are just finding ways, you know? Look, I think there's this not to get overly philosophical, but the way that everything, there's nothing else we've ever seen that's globally slowed everything down immensely. And I'm looking at air quality reports like Denver's, I think, number one or number two, but like LA's like five and much bigger city. You know, it's like, wow, like you can see and you can breathe and nature's coming back and we're, we're, we're forced to spend an enormous amount of time with our family. <laughs> right. 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 Like, yeah. I think, I think it's good. It's like forced intimacy. It's forced, uh, presence, you know? And, and I wrote an earlier, uh, thing on LinkedIn about, you know, uh, uh, Rob Enslin highlighted this book essentialism at the, at the kickoff back in Vegas. And, um, I, of course, I was like, oh, I'm going to read that book. 
And, and a lot of it is about really like the discipline of focusing on what's only on what's truly important. And if something's an A plus, you do it. If, if it's an A minus, you just don't do it. The degree to which it coaches you to try to prioritize your life is very aspirational. But I read that book and I was like, oh my God, all the things that this book talks about. Let's just relish in the fact that now we have forced essentialism. <laughs> <laughs> the new version two. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I have to spend, t- like, I have to prioritize. Like, it's just, it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Like, all the places we used to go on the weekends and do all the stuff, and now we're, we're not, and we're like, how important were those things? Right. I think, and it goes well, back to the adapt- adoption and adapting. Local restaurants, yeah. delivering, right? Uh, not to get, you know, uh, breweries are now like, you know, hey, we'll set a tent up outside and, you know, wear gloves and literally drop it into your your, your car. Uh, I mean, it's just, you're right. It is, it's forced essentialism at its, at its finest. It took, like you said earlier, it's unfortunate that it takes a pandemic or, or it's, it's you know, yeah. Eric Schmidt, I think also, who's a former um, CEO of, of Google also said something publicly, like what you just said a day ago, which is, you know, it's been thousands of years, right? Since you had the entire globe face something all at once. That just shows you the change. And the pollution, by the way, another fact where the countries that have the highest pollution tend to have the highest outbreak. And I mean, there's just these, the data, Mm. the data that's coming out of this and will be coming out for, I'm sure, you know, months to years will be something that hopefully public sector can use going forward back to one other thing, unemployment servers. Who knew? Who knew that you're going to have millions and millions within just like that, you know? And you're running on cobalt on a mainframe somewhere. Right. Right. It's time, right? This is what will force on-premise changes, on-premises changes for sure. Um, Or even just, again, the aggregation of data, you know, because you used to grab it. Now we're just like, who's sick? Who's not? How do you test? What are the ventilators? Who has beds? Who doesn't? Just, Just trying to figure out again, through data, using machine learning and all these different things of like where, where to put things. And again, it'll be something different. Again, not a doom and gloom comment. It's time. And it, it takes something like this to really force particularly public sector to make some make rapid changes. It exposes every weakness in every system, commercial or public. Um, it uh, brings to the forefront every insecurity that we have from our hair to work, you know, do I have a job? So it's, it's like, we know that, look, humans are just ridiculously adaptable. And I know at some point, you know, we will be able to travel again, as Marriott famously says, and I love that campaign. We will be able to travel again. It's like such a well-grounded campaign. It's with a positive angle. Uh, But, but I feel like the acceleration in remote learning, uh, digital government, some things will never go back to exactly how they were. But I hope that it's in a way that's like we take all the elements and all the lessons learned with the flaws in our healthcare system, the flaws in you know funding elements, crisis preparedness, digital government, digital transformation, and, and commercial, etc. Like I hope we take the good. And we remember the things that are important, like the environment and other things and what is really essential. And I hope we carry that forward. And um, because we're not going to go back to exactly how things were. But I'm, I'm very curious about 
what we will retain and what we'll immediately forget. <laughs> it's true. It's like the lessons learned, as they all say. And uh, it's important that you do capture, we capture as a society, you know, within the US and globally, like you're exactly right. I think we're going to find some, some, so like the big stuff we just mentioned, the unemployment insurance and just, you know, you know running a crisis in general, not just the city, up to the county, up to the state and from the federal level. Yeah. I think there'll be like these other things, like the pollution pieces we talked about, like it actually made a huge impact or just traffic congestion, right? I mean, you got to get people in and out of work, but, you know, the fact that you're seeing such a decrease in positive ways of certain things, you know, again, it's the lessons learned and how you can carry those forward. I, I totally agree. Example, are people going to be happier working remote maybe one day a week? And certain states have yeah. actually done that in the past, but hey, it is more family time. You know, I'm bonding closer to my kids. And so I will change my lifestyle a little bit to have better work balance. Yeah. And it takes all the pressure off the environment and the roads. And you know what I mean? Like, imagine like if one month a year, we just did this as a community, like as, as a, the world is like, just pauses one month a year. Seriously, like it's a DR test. Plus it's, um, you know, nature has a way of rejuvenating itself, but it needs a break. It's like any organic thing, right? And um, it's like, uh, you know, dry January for your liver or whatever, right? Like, <laughs> like nature has a way of regenerating. So imagine like all the stuff we would see that would come back if we just took a pause a month, a year. I don't know. In Europe, I think that's just called August. Um uh, where they all take take all the Central Europeans just take August off. But then what happens is all the tourists go in. So it's not like Venice gets a break, right? But yeah, I do, I do really hope that it, it uh, challenges all preconceived notions around all these assumptions, good and bad, good assumptions, bad assumptions. Oh, we can, we can never be productive remotely. Yeah, well, actually, can we, we're going to find out, right? Or a healthcare system can take, you know, anything. And well, maybe, no, maybe you can't, you know, and what do we have to do to, to fix those? And look, I'm trying to see it as a blessing uh, in disguise. I'm certainly blessed to be in the business we're in, to have my family healthy, to have people on our team that I see coming together in ways that I've never seen. They're working harder than ever, both within the teams, across teams. We're more unified in a lot of ways than ever. And I think that's that's a wonderful outcome. And look, being aligned with Google, like, I could not imagine having, being in a better spot, not only in the best possible position to help, but to have the assurance of like, we're standing on the shoulders of a giant and we're not alone in this, you know? And um, I'm very grateful for that. Like you said, the community is coming together. Two examples I've just seen here locally, all the counties are getting together and sharing their data. And so like some mm. of the cases they've taken, and I'm, I'm allowed to drop a few of these, but Eagle County, so in Colorado, which is where I'm at, right? The, uh, the first impact hotspot, so to speak, was in the mountain towns. Everybody knows Colorado for skiing. There was a traveler mm. came up. So people have heard of Vail. They've heard of Breckenridge. They've heard of, you know, uh, Keystone and all those places. So that was a hotspot. My point is Eagle County, Pitkin County, Summit County, right? They all started to get together to aggregate their data and all these dashboards are publicly available. And so my, my point is like, no offense to Google or our partners such as SADA, but you know, they, they were doing this themselves. Another amazing on the K through 12 side that I just, I love this story is that some K through 12s, uh, obviously in different areas within Colorado, let's just say have a little bit more, you know, grants and bonds and stuff for the school. And they'll have 
uh, one-to-one Chromebooks. Where all these school districts are sharing their Chromebooks with other school districts. These are the stories where you're like, you know, again, nothing to do with us, nothing to do with our partners, just these communities, these school districts, these counties getting together because they're utilizing relatively the same platforms. Not a shameless plug for ourselves, but I guess it is. And those are the things like I just, I just, you know, I absolutely yeah. love seeing those stories. I love seeing those things. The way even my kids' school, who actually, it's a small school, but we helped them get on G Suite a couple of years ago and they're using Classroom. They pivoted in like, I swear, they took two days off. They took a Friday off and a Monday off. And starting Tuesday, they were all remote. And it's like 400 students, but like, wow. Like that was really good execution. Yes. In our different schools, it's like, hey, we're just going to make spring break, you know, two weeks long, three weeks long. And now all of a sudden, and this is very common. I've talked to a lot of my colleagues, you know, this week was like the first week of like, okay, we're, this is, we're going in for the long haul. In fact, we're not going Mm -hmm. back. I'm happy for you. Maybe sorry for your kids, but they've already been doing this here. It sounds like for the last, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, our, our, <laughs> our kids just started here like Monday, honestly, the dynamics of, of, you know, being a parent here. Right. Totally. Yeah. Funny to me. Cause you know, obviously you know who I work for. So this is like Monday and my, my, my wife's kind of saying, Hey, you know, they're all in Google classroom. And, and so I'm like, okay. She's like, so, you know, you, you can, as a parent, you can, I'm like, I oh, know. Yeah. I'm like, she's like, can you go help them? So can't make this up. Go up to my 12 year old. I'm like, Hey, all right, buddy, Google classroom. And I pause for a second. He goes, yeah, what do you want to know? <laughs> I've been doing this for years, dad. All right. All right. Sorry. Thanks. Just making sure. So thank you so much for being my guest at this crazy time. And I'm even filming these differently. We just created this amazing studio at headquarters and now we can't even use it for these, but look, it's fine. We're recording and, uh, we're going to keep putting out the great content. I hope people find value in it. I know they're going to love listening to your story and and um, everything we're seeing right now in terms of public sector, the role of G Suite. I really appreciate you, Jeff Brown, being on Cloud and Clear. Hey, Tony, I really appreciate it. You weren't asking for this, but I'm not here if it's not for SADA. Uh, everybody knows your story. You know, you are uh, the top premier partner in all the counties and states and stuff we've done. I'm, I'm excited for the future. I'm happy for our, our customers that are, have adopted this. So back at you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. 